This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Karen Savage, Waco, Texas, February 2007. The Story of the Treasure Seekers by Edith Nesbitt. Chapter 13 The Robber and the Burglar. A day or two after Noel came back from Hastings, there was snow. It was jolly, and we cleared it off the path. A man to do it is sixpence at least, and you should always save when you can. A penny saved is a penny earned. And then we thought it would be nice to clear it off the top of the portico, where it lies so thick, and the edges as if they had been cut with a knife. And just as we had got out of the landing window on to the portico, the water-rates came up the path with his book that he tears the thing out of that says how much you have got to pay, and the little ink-bottle hung on to his buttonhole in case you should pay him. Father says the water-rates is a sensible man, and knows it is always well to be prepared for whatever happens, however unlikely. Alice said afterwards that she rather liked the water-rates, really, and Noel said he had a face like a good vizier, or the man who rewards the honest boy for restoring the purse— but we did not think about these things at the time, and as the water-rates came up the steps, we shoveled down a great square slab of snow like an avalanche, and it fell right on his head. Two of us thought of it at the same moment, so it was quite a large avalanche. And when the water-rates had shaken himself, he rang the bell. It was Saturday, and Father was at home. We know now that it is very wrong and ungentlemanly to shovel snow off porticoes on to the water-rates, or any other person, and we hope he did not catch a cold, and we are very sorry— we apologised to the water-rates when father told us to. We were all sent to bed for it. We all deserved the punishment, because the others would have shovelled down snow just as we did, if they'd thought of it, only they are not so quick at thinking of things as we are. And even quite wrong things sometimes lead to adventures, as every one knows who has ever read about pirates or highwaymen. Eliza hates us to be sent to bed early, because it means her having to bring meals up, and it means lighting the fire in Noel's room ever so much earlier than usual. He had to have a fire, because he still had a bit of a cold. But this particular day we got Eliza into a good temper by giving her a horrid brooch with pretending amethysts in it, that an aunt once gave to Alice. So Eliza brought up an extra scuttle of coals, and when the greengrocer came with the potatoes—he is always late on Saturdays—she got some chestnuts from him. So that when we heard Father go out after his dinner, there was a jolly fire in Noel's room, and we were able to go in and be red Indians in blankets most comfortably. Eliza had gone out. She says she gets things cheaper on Saturday nights. She has a great friend who sells fish at a shop, and he is very generous and lets her have herrings for less than half the natural price. So we were all alone in the house. Pincher was out with Eliza, and we talked about robbers. And Dora thought it would be a dreadful trade, but Dicky said, "'I think it would be very interesting. And you would only rob rich people, and be very generous to the poor and needy, like Claude Duval.' Dora said, "'It is wrong to be a robber.' "'Yes,' said Alice. You would never know a happy hour. Think of trying to sleep with the stolen jewels under your bed, and remembering all the quantities of policemen and detectives that there are in the world. "'There are ways of being robbers that are not wrong,' said Noel. "'If you can rob a robber, it is a right act.' "'But you can't,' said Dora. "'He is too clever, and besides, it's wrong anyway.' "'Yes, you can, and it isn't. And murdering him with boiling oil is a right act, too. So there,' said Noel. "'What about Ali Baba? Now then!' And we felt it was a score for Noel." "'What would you do if there was a robber?' said Alice. H.O. said he would kill him with boiling oil, but Alice explained that she meant a real robber, now, this minute, in the house. 
Oswald and Dicky did not say, but Noel said he thought it would only be fair to ask the robber quite politely and quietly to go away, and then if he didn't, you could deal with him. Now, what I am going to tell you is a very strange and wonderful thing, and I hope you will be able to believe it. I should not, if a boy told me, unless I knew him to be a man of honour, and perhaps not then, unless he gave his sacred word. But it is true, all the same, and it only shows that the days of romance and daring deeds are not yet at an end. Alice was just asking Noel how he would deal with the robber who wouldn't go if he was asked politely and quietly, when we heard a noise downstairs. Quite a plain noise. Not the kind of noise you fancy you hear. It was like somebody moving a chair. We held our breath and listened, and then came another noise, like someone poking a fire. Now you remember there was no one to poke a fire or move a chair downstairs, because Eliza and Father were both out. They could not have come in without our hearing them, because the front door is as hard to shut as the back one, and whichever you go in by, you have to give a slam that you can hear all down the street. H.O. and Alice and Dora caught hold of each other's blankets and looked at Dicky and Oswald, and everyone was quite pale. And Noel whispered, "'It's ghosts! I know it is!' And then we listened again, but there was no more noise. Presently Dora said in a whisper, "'Whatever shall we do? Oh, whatever shall we do? What shall we do?' And she kept on saying it till we had to tell her to shut up. "'Oh, reader, have you ever been playing red Indians in blankets round a bedroom fire in a house where you thought there was no one but you, and then suddenly heard a noise like a chair and a fire being poked downstairs? Unless you have, you will not be able to imagine at all what it feels like. It was not like in books.' Our hair did not stand on end at all, and we never said tst once. But our feet got very cold, though we were in blankets by the fire, and the insides of Oswald's hands got warm and wet, and his nose was cold like a dog's, and his ears were burning hot. The girls said afterwards that they shivered with terror, and their teeth chattered, but we did not see or hear this at the time. "'Shall we open the window and call the police?' said Dora. And then Oswald suddenly thought of something, and he breathed more freely, and said, "'I know it's not ghosts, and I don't believe it's robbers. I expect it's a stray cat got in when the coals came this morning, and she's been hiding in the cellar, and now she's moving about. Let's go down and see.' The girls wouldn't, of course. But I could see that they breathed more freely, too. But Dicky said, "'All right. I will if you will.' H.O. said, "'Do you think it's really a cat?' So we said he had better stay with the girls, and of course after that we had to let him and Alice both come. Dora said if we took Noel down with his cold she would scream fire and murder, and she didn't mind if the whole street heard. So Noel agreed to be getting his clothes on, and the rest of us said we would go down and look for the cat. Now Oswald said that about the cat, and it made it easier to go down, but in his inside he did not feel at all sure that it might not be robbers after all. Of course, we had often talked about robbers before. But it is very different when you sit in a room and listen and listen and listen. And Oswald felt, somehow, that it would be easier to go down and see what it was than to wait and listen and wait and wait and listen and wait, and then perhaps hear it, whatever it was, come creeping slowly up the stairs as softly as it could with its boots off, and the stairs creaking towards the room where we were with the door open, in case of Eliza coming back suddenly, and all dark on the landings. And then it would have been just as bad, and it would have lasted longer, and you would have known you were a coward besides. Dicky says he felt all these same things. Many people would say we were young heroes to go down as we did, so I have tried to explain, because no young hero wishes to have more credit than he deserves. 
The landing-gas was turned down low, just a blue bead, and we four went out very softly, wrapped in our blankets, and we stood on the top of the stairs a good long time before we began to go down. And we listened and listened till our ears buzzed. And Oswald whispered to Dicky, and Dicky went into our room and fetched the large toy pistol that is a foot long, and that has the trigger broken, and I took it because I am the eldest, and I don't think either of us thought it was the cat now. But Alice and H.O. did. Dicky got the poker out of Noel's room and told Dora it was to settle the cat with when we caught her. Then Oswald whispered, "'Let's play at burglars. Dicky and I are armed to the teeth. We will go first. You keep a flight behind us, and be a reinforcement if we are attacked.' or you can retreat and defend the women and children in the fortress, if you'd rather. But they said they would be a reinforcement. 